0: All right, is this loud enough? Just a little, that's my check. That's how I do. We're good. You can hear that. I'm going to move down because this feels like I'm about 10 feet taller than everybody. So hopefully, if I go right here, you can still see me. Okay, we're good. So, as Dan mentioned, I am from the class of 2007. So that makes me 21 years old. And I was in Dan's youth group for probably seven years. It was right after I moved back from Australia, which I don't have any Australia stories to tell, but I did live there for a year, and I always like to say that because it makes people pay attention to me a little bit more because they're like, oh, he's been to Australia. That's pretty cool. So hopefully, because I said that, you'll all be tuned in because maybe maybe later I'll tell you an Australia story. Probably not because I don't have anything written down, but maybe. So um, as I said... Um, I was in Dan's youth group for about seven years, and I was talking with the praise team when I got here, praise band. Um, I was in the praise band in Dan's youth group, too, but I played the keyboard, and a lot of y'all don't know how cool the keyboard is. And apparently you don't because you don't have one in your band. So, well, let me tell you, it wasn't that cool when I was in it, too. I tried to learn the guitar, and Michelle with one L, is that what I heard, that's your name? You picked it up in, like, three months is what Dan said? I have a guitar sitting in my closet that I've had for probably three years and I haven't learned anything on it, so that's pretty good. Um, I'm just stuck with the keyboard, um, so it's pretty cool, though, especially when the drummer's out sick, you can play keyboard drums on it, which I had to do quite a few times, so we actually didn't have a drummer for about a year, so every week I would be up there, which got pretty old, but it was pretty cool, so I encourage you. When your drummer's out next time, you're pretty good, by the way. When he's out, get a keyboard up there. Somebody volunteer, because you'll have the time of your life. Guarantee. So, um, but like Dan, I don't know if you said this earlier, but this is my wife, Ashley. We got married on August 21st of last year. I had to remember that, but that was pretty good, so I'll get points for that. And just so you guys know, I'm in seminary right now, um, online, Um, And eventually we will move to Kentucky, which is where I'm going to seminary at, kind of online. Uh, But we'll move there, and then I'll finish out and then hopefully find a church to either work with the youth at, work in like an education, discipleship type thing, or as lead pastor is what I eventually want to do. So... I have gotten to speak a couple times, and Dan told me I had about two hours, so I tried to clean, cram as much stuff as I could in that two hours, but I don't know if we're going to make it, so if I go over, you have to forgive me, but uh next two hours, you're all mine, so that's what he told me. So, I'm just kidding. It'll probably be like 15 minutes, and we're done. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm just kidding. I have a tendency to kind of speak for like 10 minutes at a time. That's kind of what has happened to me in the past, so we'll try not to do that, but I want to make sure you get the point of what I what I, what I have here, because I do believe that this message is straight from God, and I think it's for each of you here tonight in one way or another. It may not be the, the way that I've intended it, but um, I think that you'll get a message out of this. So I want you to close your eyes, and I know teachers do this all the time, right? Close your eyes and imagine. It's mostly English teachers, weird English teachers. Sorry if there's any English teachers in here, but close your eyes And imagine that you just won the lottery. Whew, that's great, right? All the money in the whole world. You've got $300 million, let's just say. Is everybody's eyes closed? I just saw my wife peeking at me, so I know that she's not following the rules. But uh, $300 million, let's say, that's a lot of money. So you go out, and what's the first thing you do? You tithe $30 million, right? Because that's 10%, right? So you give your tithe to the church. Then what do you do? You go out and buy a huge house, right? And what do you put in that house? All the coolest stuff that you can find. And what are you going to do? you got to drive to the house some, somehow, right? So you're going to buy a, a nice car. What's a nice car? Somebody yell out a nice car. A Lamborghini. That's right. What would you say? Ferrari. Ferrari. I thought I thought you said Saab. I was like, well, I would have aimed a little higher than that. But uh, Saab will work, I guess. Um, and what are you going to do? What if you want to drive up to your house from the water? What are you going to buy? No. You're going to buy a yacht, boat. Boat's like what my, what, I don't know. I don't have a boat, so I can't say anything, but you'd buy a yacht. Eyes closed. Eyes closed. We're still imagining here. Just don't fall asleep. I, I can put people to sleep. I've done it before. But, um, so you buy a boat. What else do you do? You just buy tons of stuff, right? Well, open your eyes. Come back to reality, because that didn't happen. I promise it didn't, unless you've got someone else going on, unless you had a lottery ticket from about, last week or something but um nobody won the lottery here right but it was fun to imagine it's it's fun to think about that stuff sometimes not having to worry about money not having to worry about oh when when i get older how am i going to afford stuff i know you you guys don't have a whole lot of bills right now but i just discovered what bills are like and it's not always fun Um, but that's what that's what the world thinks would be great right people in the world they think it'd be great if i just won the lottery my problems would be solved right Well, we know that's not always true. Um, And when we look at people in the world, what are people in the world always chasing? They're chasing after a new car, a better car, a better job. Um, Let's see. More money, bigger house, the things that we talked about. And when they get that new car, what happens the next year? A better car comes out, right? So now you're working towards getting that next car. Because the one you've got, you're just putting miles on it, right? So... What happens is the whole cycle starts over again. You've got something that you've been working towards, and what do you know it? Something better comes along, and you're working towards that. So why is that? Does anybody have an idea why that is? I mean, you might not have answered what I have on my paper here, but does anybody have an idea why it is that we always want to work towards something else? We're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. Did you preach about this last week? Did you Really? twice man that's exactly right as humans what are we searching for you have your hand up what is it so you can prove you can do it yeah that's true too um, unfortunately for you she hit it right on the nail first so that's why I wasn't even looking sorry but as humans we're never satisfied are we we're never satisfied with what we have we're always looking for something else and that's that's kind of what our human nature is Uh, We're never satisfied with what we have, but we're always striving towards something else. And maybe this is something you've got going on in your life. You say things like, if only I had a better car, better friends, a better boyfriend or girlfriend, then I'd be happy. Or I could be satisfied if I could be free from all my parents' rules, right? I mean, I remember all my parents' rules. My wife never had a curfew in high school, but I always had a curfew. 9.30. 9.30. Just kidding. It was like 10.30. But uh, that's much better. But, um, you know, we say, I could be satisfied if I didn't have my parents yelling at me all the time, giving me all these rules, or I'd be happy if I could be popular or more popular. How many of us admit that we've said things like that once in a while? I know I have. You know, it's, that's true. Everybody, everybody thinks that. So the point I'm trying to make here is that we're all searching for something. We're all striving for something, whether we realize it or not. Um, and those things that we're all searching for and striving for are what we're living our lives for. So that's something we need to think about when we're thinking about, oh, I just wish I was more popular. Well, you need to check yourself and make sure you're not living your life to be more popular. Um, and the Bible gives us a, um, a great example of somebody that that tried everything. He tried Everything you, can, everything you could think of to see if that would satisfy that thirst in his soul for, for satisfaction. And the person I'm talking about, does anybody have a guess? Anybody know? Close. <laughs> Not to this question, but he is most of the time. Um, you were close. What did you say? You said King David. Who has another guess close to David. Son of David, Solomon, King Solomon. So, if you got your Bibles with you, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm just going to start reading. We're going to read a few verses in chapter 1, not the whole thing or anything. But I'm just going to start reading. So, if you're not there, I'm sorry, but you're too slow. So, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Verse 1 says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on the, and on its circuits the wind returns all streams run to the sea but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow there they flow again all things are full of weariness a man cannot utter it the eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing verse 9 what has what has been is what will be and what has been done is what will be done and there is nothing new under the sun Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It it has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. So, first thing that you notice in verse 1, what what does Solomon say, who does he identify himself as? He says he's the preacher. So what do you know about a preacher? What What is a preacher's job? Anybody just yell out something. What is the job of a preacher? Tell the gospel. Preach, that's right. <clears throat> it's kind of like saying that the definition of something is that thing, but it's close. So a preacher's job is to teach something, right? They have a message that they want to teach. Um, so Solomon here is saying, you know what? I'm going to call myself a preacher because I have a message that I want you guys to understand. So our job right now is to say, well, what is that message that he wants? To, that Solomon wants to show us? Well, Solomon, as I said before, he had the ability to get anything he wanted, to buy anything he wanted. He was the richest man probably in the history um, of the earth. Um, and he had the ability to buy anything he wanted, get anything he wanted. So he decided that he was going to have this experiment. He was going to acquire all these things, build all these different things, in an attempt to make himself feel satisfied and to feel that satisfaction that would that he thought would come with Surely, something that he could acquire on Earth. So, Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, is the story of this whole experiment that Solomon went um, that Solomon did. So, Solomon's experiment was to find something that brought meaning to life and made it worth living here on Earth. So, in, um actually, I didn't read verses twelve and thirteen. So, let's go ahead and read that. I forgot to read that. So verse 12 in chapter 1 says, I, the preacher, had been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. So what he's saying is here, I've taken it upon myself that I'm going to try all these different things and see if I can find something that will satisfy me. So who was Solomon? I mean, does anybody know anything about Solomon? What was what's Solomon probably most famous for? Um, the story, what's, what's his most famous story about him in the whole Bible? Does anybody know? What was he more blank than, than anybody else that's ever lived? Rich. He was rich. That's not what I'm looking you, you started to say it. He was wise. So you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it. In 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, my place got changed. First Kings chapter 3 um, it's, it's the story of how Solomon got his wisdom. So I just want to read it real quick. In chapter 5 it says, and this is right after Solomon has taken over um, reign from his father David. And it says, At Gideon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David my father because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and an uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. So what he's saying there is, you know what, God, you have totally taken care of my dad. And now you've given me the the honor of sitting on the throne. So you think that he's going to ask God, you know, please take care of me like you took care of him. But what he ends up asking for in verse 9, says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? And verse 10 says, It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And because he asked him, God gave it to him. So that's how he got his wisdom. So Solomon was the wisest person that was ever on the earth. And the Bible says he was the wisest that will ever be on the earth. So nobody's wiser than him. Nobody today. Nobody back in that time. Nobody's wiser than him. Um, but he was also the king of Israel. So like I think you said right there, he was also extremely rich. Like he had anything you could imagine. He had all the money from the kingdom that was coming in. Um, he had tons of people that were... I read this in a um, book. They had people that their job was just to trade with other um, nations to make money. So he would have the money that was coming in from these people that were trading things, trying to kind of cheat other people and... Um, you know, increasing their wealth. So he'd have that, that money as well. So, I mean, I don't, I don't have to talk about it anymore. He was really rich and probably a whole lot more than that $300 million that we were talking about earlier. Um, and the Bible also says that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So he had as many women as he wanted. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to shy around the point. He had as many women as he wanted. So he had a thousand women that were his own. Um, Poor guy. guy. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I don't. I'm not going to read anything from this. But if you go to First Kings chapter ten, I don't know if I see you're writing it down. Write it down. It's almost like an episode of Cribs. So y'all know I'm talking about, right? MTV Cribs. First Kings chapter ten. If you want to read an if you want to read an episode of Cribs, Cribs, go read it. I have a story I I have to tell. And I was talking to my wife in the car. I was like, that's a dumb story. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell it anyways. So um, my dad, this was a couple weeks ago. He, um, well, I mean, he didn't just do it a couple weeks ago. We've been planning it for a while. But he took me and Ashley and my brother Nick and his wife Melissa and my mom and him. We all went to Ireland for five days. He took us all. So we get to Ireland. We're... And we've been on an eight-hour plane ride, and nobody slept on the plane ride, so we're all extremely tired and all this stuff. So we go to the hotel, and we're like, we're just gonna, you know, camp out here for a couple hours so we can, you know, get some rest. And before we go out, and because we left at, what time did we leave? It was five o'clock, five p.m. our time, and got there at seven a.m. their time. So it's like we just missed a whole night of sleep. So we're like, we're gonna need to go sit down and rest. So. We do that, and then we all meet up in my parents' room, and we knock on the door, and my mom says, Welcome to my crib. And you don't know my mom, but she's not like that at all. But we walk in the room, and for some reason, they've got MTV Cribs playing on their hotel TV for some reason, just kinda of random in Ireland. They've got cribs playing. And my mom, who I know has never watched Cribs in my life, welcome to my crib. But um so I just had to say that. But if you want to go read it, you can, you don't have to. But um First Kings chapter ten and it actually says that, you know, he had fourteen hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen. So I mean, they always end the episode of Cribs with them walking outside showing what kind of cars they have, so it would take. It would be a pretty long episode of Cribs if you had to go. Well, this is my uh, BC 900 Chariot Special Edition. You know, all, all, all down the roads. But he had 1,400 chariots. So I mean, just imagine that. That's crazy. I don't know why you'd have to have 1,400 chariots, but he did. So, um, and while we're talking about it, I got one more point about Solomon. I won't, I'll quit kind of talking about him. But one important thing that he did was he built the Temple of God. If you remember. David, uh, God wouldn't let David build the temple. He could plan for the temple and um, get the, the uh, um, things put together for it. But David wasn't allowed to build the temple. So Solomon built the temple. Not only did he build the temple, which, by the way, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, he also built a palace for himself that was larger than the temple. So the point is, Solomon would build things, uh, and it kind of became a point of pride for him. He would build it just to show how wealthy he was, how powerful he was, how much stuff he had. So um, the point I'm trying to make here is that Solomon had absolutely no boundaries in his life. Um, and he was able to try anything and have anything he wanted to see if it could provide his fulfillment. So he was really the perfect person to perform this experiment. And the reason that I wanted to point that out is how do we know how fast things fall? Like if you were to drop something, how do we know how fast it falls, how fast it falls? I don't know. I don't know if this is a good one to go with. But it's because somebody's done it before, right? Somebody's done it before us, so they wrote it down. I think it's 9.8 meters per second squared. I don't know. That was a long time ago that I was in physics. Um, but whatever it is, we know it because somebody did it before. So we know we can look at the at Solomon's experiment here in Ecclesiastes. We know that nothing's going to fulfill us in this world because he's done it all. He's tried everything. He found out that in chapter 1... I'd lost that place too. In chapter 1, he said it's all meaningless. So we know that nothing's going to fulfill us. So I just want to take a look back in Ecclesiastes. And I know this is a lot of weird writing and it's kind of hard to understand. So I'm not going to to read everything. I know I've got like verses 1 through 11 of chapter 2. I think, in this thing, but I don't know if I'm going to read it all. So, <clears throat> Solomon says in chapter 2, let's just read the first verse. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also was vanity. So he did, he tried everything that would give him pleasure. He brought in um, comedians. He brought in people that would make him laugh to see if that would give him fulfillment. Um, he brought in people just for entertainment, for for his own interest, and nothing brought him fulfillment. He says, "But behold, this was all vanity." Um, let me see. He also, if you can, if you continue reading in here, he talks about all of his works that he did, all the things that he built, and nothing gave him fulfillment. So I don't want to keep um, keep um, looking at this, but. Um, let me see. I lost my place there. In chapter one, or chapter two, sorry. So he says, come now, I will test Test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. So he's like having a party for himself is basically what what um, what he's doing. And I also had, had to tell this story because this is Dan's church. And my wife used to go to, okay, this is kind of hard to explain, but we always tell people where how to find our church. It's the church right next to the church that has the pumpkin patch. So my wife, for her whole life, went to the pumpkin patch church, which is right next to our church. And in high school, I was like, why don't you come to our church because it's so much better than yours. We just don't have a pumpkin patch, but everything else is much better. So we were having a Super Bowl party, and it was at um, these people's house. They were Sunday school teachers of ours. And I have to tell this because Dan said I could. I asked his permission before. He said that y'all rag on him pretty a lot, so I could do it too. So my wife, who's never met Dan before, did not know that he stuttered. So, sorry, I'm not ragging on you. It's, It's who you are. It's who you are. So she didn't know that he stuttered. So, and she was, you know, trying to be cool and everything, so I guess Dan was saying something, and this is the first time I actually heard him stutter, and he said, it was a Super Bowl party, and I forget what he said, but he got stuck on the word helmets, and he said, ha, 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 helmets, well, I mean, he does it better, do it real quick, (laughs) I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't make you do that. But he said, ha, 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 helmets. And Ashley was right there, and she goes, ha, 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 helmets. I get it. I get it. So she's, like, laughing at him, and everybody's like, oh, no. Nobody told this girl that he stutters. So <laughs> I don't know if she, like, came the next week or anything, but I think she was probably scared to be around him, like, thinking he's going to be mad. But I don't know how I got off on that sidetrack, but I wrote it down in my notes somehow. So it means something when I wrote it. Doesn't mean that much here, so... But Michelle with one L thought it was funny, so it was good for one person. So here we go. Oh, that was right. Solomon threw himself a party. So Super Bowl party. See, get the connection. Dance church had to find a way to tie in that story somehow. Had to embarrass my wife a little bit, but not enough to where she'll be mad at me later. So we're good. So we tied it all in. Solomon had everything, and he still found nothing that provided him fulfillment in life. So we see in Chapter 2 that he tried everything. So nothing, nothing gave him fulfillment. He decided everything under the sun was meaningless. What does that mean? Everything on this earth is meaningless. So if we skip to chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, we get to the, Solomon makes this point of what he wants us to get from this. And I promise I'm wrapping up. I'm really close to the end here. So in chapter 12, he gives us a couple points of what he wants us to, to, to know from, from the from The experiment, first point was to remember the Creator in the days of your youth. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, says, Remember also the Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. What he's saying there is honor God, follow God while you're young, so that when you're older and you look back at your life, you're not saying, man, I wish I would have followed God sooner than now. And not wasted the whole first part of my life. So he's saying there, remember the Creator in the days of your youth. The second thing he's saying, if you drop down to verse 13, is to fear God. Who knows what it means to fear God? Not be afraid. but Fear like a father. That's what I was going to say. Who, who here fears your parents? If your parents are in here, you have to raise your hand. You fear your parents. What does that mean? You respect them. It's it's almost like a respect um, because you know that they're, they have control over you, they're your parents, um, and that ultimately, you know, they are your parents. So you got to listen to what they say. Um, so fearing God is kind of like that. It's, it's a respect, knowing that God is so much greater than you and so in control that you fear and you respect him because you know what you can do. So that's what he's telling us. The first thing he's telling us is remember the Creator in the days of your youth. He's saying don't get so old that you look back and you regret, you regret not following God. Second thing, fear God. The third thing he says in chapter or in verse 13 is keep his commandments. Uh, verse 13 says, the end of the matter has all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. So Solomon gives us three things. Remember God when you're young, fear God, keep his commandments. But as we all know, Solomon didn't live in a time after Jesus, right? So he didn't, Solomon didn't know everything um, when it came to following God. So there's four things I have here that Solomon didn't tell us, but we need to know when it comes to, to, to reading Ecclesiastes. The first thing is that we all feel empty for a reason. We all feel empty for a reason because we were made by God to be in fellowship with Him. So that's why nothing on this earth can satisfy us because we're made to be in fellowship with God. Second thing is Jesus is the only way for us to be with God. Um, John fourteen six, Jesus says, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." So if we were made, if we were made to be in fellowship with God, how do we get to Him? There's sin that separates us from Him. How do we get to Him? only through his son, Jesus. Jesus left little doubt that he was the only way for us to be with God. He said it right there, I'm the only way. A lot of people will say, you know, there's tons of ways you can get to God. Well, this way is the only way that says it's the only way. Um, Jesus is the only person that said he's the only way to get to the Father. The third thing that we need to know is that Christians feel the emptiness um, as well, even after they receive Christ. And this may sound weird to a lot of you because... You know, we you've heard it said that once you receive Christ, you're one with God. Well, we're still on Earth, so we feel this emptiness in our lives still because we're not where we're we're not where our home is, our eternal home, um, and that's heaven. Um, in Romans eight twenty two through twenty four, I don't have this on the screen, so you have to listen. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. So he's saying, even us that believe in Christ, that have this this fulfillment, this um, this salvation, we're still empty. We still feel empty because we're not with we're not with God in heaven. The fourth thing, our hope, our hope is in in our eternal home. I'm tripping over myself there. Our hope is in our eternal home, which is heaven. As I said before, God made us to be with Him. So that's why we feel empty. That's why we search for things to make us feel fulfilled because as humans, we were made by God to be fulfilled by Him, to be in fellowship with Him. So when we search after the things of this world, it's all meaningless. We're never going to find meaning in those things. Um, So I just want to um close right now um i'm gonna have everybody close their eyes and bow their heads and if you're saying right now you know i hear what you're saying austin i know i've heard this before i, I know that jesus is the only way to to be with god um to to have salvation well, let me tell you that he is the only way the only way and if you don't have that salvation, then you're you're not reconciled to God. You're not having fellowship with God, true fellowship with Him. And if you're saying that tonight, if you're saying I don't, you know, I don't have Jesus, I don't have salvation, I don't really know what you're talking about, if you'll just look up at me, just look up at me. If you're saying that tonight, anybody? Okay, there's a second group here tonight, um, and you're just saying, you know what, I'm chasing after things that that aren't giving me any, any satisfaction. Um, I feel so empty. I feel like I'm, chas- I'm wasting my life. You know, I don't want to grow up, look back at my life, and say, I wish I would have followed God sooner. So what I'm going to say to you tonight is that if you want to make make a commitment in your heart right now to search after God, to live for Him, if that's your heart and you want to be fulfilled by Him and only Him, If you'll just look up at me, I just want to pray for you. Well, I'm on the left side right now. Anybody? Okay. In the back? Okay. On the right? Okay. 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 That's you. I just want to pray for you tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift um, each and every person in this room up tonight. Father, you have such a plan for our lives. Um, ever since creation, Father, you've known, you've known who we are. Father, you, you, know, you know everything that's going to happen in our lives, Father. We just pray right now for each person in this room that just looked up, Father. We pray for that commitment that they've just said that they want to make. We pray that you would um, just be so real to them in this time, Father. Just help them to realize when they're not searching after you, Father, when they're looking for fulfillment in other things, Father. We just pray that you would help us to look for our fulfillment in you. Um, Because as Solomon showed us, anything on this earth is not going to give us fulfillment. And we know that people all over the place are chasing after things, thinking that they're going to be fulfilled by them, but that's just not going to happen, Father. And we just lift up this group right now, that they would make a commitment to you, to follow you and find their fulfillment in you. I pray all in your name. Amen.